The following audio is from Downtown Church, a kingdom-focused, gospel-centered, multi-ethnic, multi-class ministry in Memphis, Tennessee. For more information, please visit downtownchurch.com. Today's scripture reading will come from Exodus chapter 4, verses 1 through 17. Then Moses answered, but behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice, for they will say, the Lord did not appear to you. The Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? He said, a staff. And he said, throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground and it became a serpent and Moses ran from it. But the Lord said to Moses, put out your hand and catch it by the tail. So he put out his hand and he caught it and it became a staff in his hand that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob had appeared to you. Again, the Lord said to him, put your hands inside your cloak. And he put his hand inside his cloak. And when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous like snow. Then God said, put your hand back inside your cloak. And when he took it out, behold, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. If they will not believe you, God said, or listen to the first sign, they may believe the latter sign. If they will not believe even these two signs or listen to your voice, you shall take some water from the Nile and pour it on the dry ground. And the water that you shall take from the Nile will become blood on the dry ground. But Moses said to the Lord, Oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and of tongue. Then the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now, therefore, go and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. But he said, Oh, my Lord, please send someone else. Then the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses, and he said, Is there not Aaron, your brother, the Levite? I know that he can speak well. Behold, he is coming out to meet you, and when he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. You shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth, and I will be with your mouth and with his mouth and will teach you both what to do. He shall speak for you to the people, and he shall be your mouth, and you shall be as God to him. And take in your hand this staff with which you shall do the signs. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, sister, for reading that passage for us. Good morning. I'm grateful that you guys chose to come and worship with us. But I'm grateful to God that he woke you up this morning. Um, that's a blessing I think we often take for granted. Uh, that we, we heard the alarm clock, even though you probably pressed snooze four or five different times. But uh, thank God that he, he gave us breath on this morning. I guess this side over here, y'all can relate. Um, hey, we are continuing our series uh, in Exodus, and it's been exciting. Uh, I've been privileged to, to sit for the past three to four weeks listening to good preaching. Uh, now it's my time, Sergi. Uh, and so anyway, I want to first 
challenge us to settle down for a second. And I'm not talking to the kids, I'm talking to the adults. To settle our minds down because God is speaking. And he has a very important word from us, for us. And it's only fitting that we, we prepare our hearts and our minds to hear from these most important transformative words. So what I want us to do is just take a, a brief moment silently to prepare your heart and your mind to hear from God. God, we are here because of you. All that we have is because of you. And anything that we know about you is because of you. Jesus, thank you for coming to dwell amongst us. Not just dwell, but, but enter in into the brokenness the doubts, to come close to the outcasts, the hurting, the afraid. And you brought healing, you brought hope, you brought joy, you restored our identities. And God, you're speaking right now. And I pray we won't take your word lightly. I pray that you would allow your word to travel to the deepest places of our souls and it would do what you have commanded it to do, to correct us, to train us in righteousness so that we may not just be hearers of your word but doers of your word. So I just pray that you would speak loudly, Holy Spirit, more than your minister. Humble me, Heavenly Father, as I stand here presenting your weighty, trustworthy word. And it's in Christ's name we pray. And all God's people said together, amen. I want to lay a question before you guys this morning. How difficult it is for you to trust God? How, how difficult is it for you to trust God? Obviously, I don't want you to answer out loud. But if I can hear your heart and hear your mind, or if I could just project <laughs> for me personally, it's difficult at times to trust and to obey God. You're probably right now in a current season with a big decision to make. And it's hard for you to make that decision to follow the Lord's leading because of several reasons. Or maybe it's not a big decision in your life. Maybe it's been difficult for you to trust, to obey God in the small things, the day-to-day -day things. And we all have, you know, certain uh, similar reasons why it is difficult for us to trust and obey God, to walk by faith. But we also have our own unique reasons why it's difficult for us to say yes to God and no to our will. Maybe it's your, your temptation, 
your desire to please other people. Therefore, that has become a hindrance to your obedience to God. What they may or may not think of you, what they may or may not say behind your back because of the decision you're making to please your heavenly father. Or maybe it's you just, you have this control issue. <laughs> you don't want to give up certain rhythms in your life, certain friendships in your life, the, the way you spend your money or the way you think about your future or your present, the way you think about your body, whatever that may, is, whatever that may be, it's a control thing. Or maybe feeding your flesh is way more attractive than to walk in obedience by the Spirit. But whatever that is, all of us, I, I'm, I'm firmly convinced that it, it probably boils down to one particular issue, that core issue, is that we don't think God is worthy enough. We don't think God is good enough to surrender all of our life, all of our life to him. And this isn't a new 2023 issue. <laughs> this isn't a TikTok issue. <laughs> this issue has been prevalent from the beginning. Y'all remember Genesis chapter 3, the first two chapters, we see everything was good. Everything that God made was good. There was perfect harmony, shalom between God and man, between man and man between creation and man. And Genesis chapter three rolls around and we see this, this radical shift, the fall. When Adam and Eve had that very same core issue that we have when it comes to obedience, they didn't think God was worthy enough. And so what did they do? They exchanged God's truth for them for a lie. And because of that, it, it, was, it will always be that much more difficult for them to obey and trust God. And that's the same thing that we do. We exchange the truth of God for a lie. And that leads to destructive living. That leads to a distortion of our view of ourselves, of our view of other people, and primarily our view of God. And our brother Moses, old Moses, he is a good example. He relates to us because he's wrestling with who God is. Because God is calling him to this massive opportunity, this big opportunity to trust and obey him. And I think Moses, as we are seeing in our text, Moses asked the question too, is God good enough? And brothers and sisters, God wants to speak to us as he's speaking to Moses, as he's been speaking to all of his church and all of his people throughout generations and future generations. When it comes to our obedience, God wants us, his people, to confidently obey him because of his power, because of his patience, and because of his provisions. And with the time that I have with you, I want us to unpack Three reasons why we should confidently obey God. First, we should confidently obey God because he's all powerful.
powerful. And we see this unpacked in verses 1 through 9 in Exodus chapter 4. Moses is still in front of this burning bush. If you want to hear more about that, I invite you to go to our podcast to hear the previous sermon that was preached by Sir G. Obviously, I think the previous two sermons that was preached, if you want to get caught up on the context. But basically, Moses is still in front of this all-consuming, burning bush. And God calls Moses into his presence. And he's speaking to Moses. He's commissioning Moses, a.k.a. He, he is saying, Moses, I'm about to send you out on my behalf to do some great things for my people. And God tells Moses basically who he is. And then God so graciously allowed us to go into this conversation. Moses begins to interrogate God. He got some follow-up questions with God. Even though God told Moses everything that he needed to know, he told Moses that he is everything to Moses to do everything that God is calling him to do. But God's word wasn't enough for Moses. Brothers and sisters, sometimes God's word isn't enough for you. It isn't enough for me. God, I know you said to obey me in this particular area of my life, but I need a little bit more convincing because your word is not enough. So Moses says, God, you're sending me to be this messenger, to be this ambassador on the behalf of you to go to Pharaoh and to declare to him, let God's people go. In verse 1, Moses says, they won't believe me. Moses, God just told him, I am who I am. I'm everything that you need. Go. Moses say, yeah, I hear what you're saying, but they still won't believe me. Do you see Moses is minimizing his view of God? But I'm thankful for God. He said, okay, you need some proof? Moses is a shepherd. He's been a shepherd for several years, most of his life. And he just so happened to have a staff. That was the, the handy tool of a shepherd. They wouldn't, quote unquote, leave home without it. You know, your phone, your key, you know, all those things that we need. If a shepherd was leaving, he Okay, I need my staff. God says, that staff in your hand, throw it down on the ground. Moses put his staff on the ground, and immediately the staff turns to a snake. And what would any of y'all do? I don't know snake lovers out there. Uh, y'all probably a rare breed, uh, no offense. Uh, but most of us, including myself, would have done what Moses done. He ran. Oh, <laughs> he ran from the snake. I mean, he's been a shepherd all his life. The staff, he's been very familiar with this particular tool. And I'm pretty sure that staff ain't never turned to a snake prior to that time. <laughs> but what God was doing, God was showing off. He was saying, all right, you need proof. You don't think they're going to believe me? I'm taking something ordinary, and I'm changing something to extraordinary. And his staff, this staff turned to a snake. Moses ran. God said, pick up the serpent by the tail. Once again, y'all, I'm not a snake handler. Uh, we actually found a snake in the house, but that's a whole nother, AJ like, yeah. If y'all want the backstory to that, let me know, and I'll let you know. But uh, God told Moses to grab the serpent by the tail. 
And I did a little research, and when you're handling a snake, you're not supposed to grab it by its tail because there's an opportunity that it can bite you. Generally, grab it by the head or something, but don't grab it by the tail. God was showing off. He was showing his power off. You're looking at me like, okay, Ortez, are you going to unpack that? Yeah, let me unpack that for a little bit. In that particular time, serpents were symbolic. It was the god of the, the lower Egyptian region. The serpent is symbolized political and spiritual influence. Pharaoh, the most powerful person at that time, he, he had a headdress. And at the center of his headdress, it was a head of a cobra. In other words, Pharaoh was saying that I possess all the political and spiritual influence. But God empowered Moses to grab the snake by his tail to say, I'm empowering you and giving you authority that I have authority over all political spirits. I have authority over all spiritual spirits and every spirit in the whole entire world. What does this have to do with our obedience? You see, God was showing his power through Moses and saying, brother, if you need a reason to believe me, all things are submitted to me. And do y'all remember Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2? Moses is actually the author of Genesis. And he would go on to pen all those different creation accounts, how God was creating all things and all these things were in submission to him. And so if all creation would submit to God, how much more are we, as the song just said? And as we work our way to Genesis chapter 3, after God is issuing, issuing all the different curses between man and woman, he makes a gospel promise. He said the seed of the woman will crush the seed of the serpent. So Moses, he ain't wrap his mind around that just there, but we get the finished picture. And so even in that particular incident, God is showing off and saying, there is coming a true prophet, a true shepherd who will crush the seed of the serpent. So you see the long-term promise that a seed of the woman will come to crush the head of the serpent, excuse me. But the short-term promise, God is anchoring Moses in his power. And he's telling them, they will believe you. The Israelites will believe you. Brothers and sisters, our circumstances can be very scary. And it can hinder us from progress. When God is calling you to a particular place, to a particular people, to a particular way of life, to take some stuff out of your life, to add some stuff in to your life so that you can love him more with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength, and so that you can love your neighbor as yourselves. But circumstantially, it seemed like those things began to eclipse the massiveness, the awesomeness of God. Let our hearts be anchored and reminded that God controls all things, and ain't nothing that happened in your life or that will happen in your life or that's not happening in your life that God is not in control of. So it's up to us. Are we going to make that choice to believe that he's good, that he's worthy of all of our trust? He's worthy of our obedience. 
We can confidently obey him because he's all-powerful. But the second reason that we can confidently obey God is because he is graciously patient towards us. Where do we see this in verses 10 through 14? The conversation progresses, but then Moses goes into his bag of excuses. After seeing up close in person the power of God, just a sample size, Moses goes into his bag of excuses. Essentially, he says, hey, God, you're sending me to the most powerful person in the world right now at this particular time, and I'm just this 80-year-old shepherd, murderer. I ain't got the most impressive resume to just be approaching him. (laughs) I'm not the polished, eloquent person to come up here and be so persuasive to this most powerful, oppressive person. So Moses says, do you not realize that I have a speech problem? I'm not eloquent. As if God didn't know everything about Moses. I mean, do we have those times? Moses had a legit limitation. He wasn't the best speaker. But he approached God as, as if God forgot that. We do the same thing. God, you asking me to obey, but do you not know my past? You asking me to be a a faithful husband and a loving father to my kids. God, do you not know? I don't even know who my dad is. That I never had a positive male role model in my life. God is calling us to obey him and to steward our bodies, to submit all of ourselves to him, our sexuality. God, do you not know my past? The abuse that I suffered from people that I trusted? God is all aware of our past. He's all aware of our shortcomings. They are valid. They are real. But they're not the ultimate. God didn't allow Moses' limitation to ultimately define his identity. In other words, Moses saw his limitations as a disqualifier. God, in fact, saw his limitation as a qualifier to show off his glory. (laughs) In other words, you bring your limitation to God and God say, okay, I will use that. But it's not an excuse for you not to obey me. Moses say, okay, you did create the mouth. I can't go to that one. You're right. Then here's the the climax of the whole story. He say, I don't want to go. I mean, he just can't, like, Moses, you went through all of this. (laughs) And the truth of the matter is, you ain't want to go in the first place. Moses made the story about him. When the story is about God, God is the author He's the producer. He's the director. He's the main character. God is the opening credits. He's the end credit. God is all. But he graciously used us as a part of this story. And Moses simply told him outright, oh, Lord, send someone else. God was angry at Moses. The scripture tells us in chapter 4, 
verse 13. But he said, oh, my Lord, please send someone else. Then the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. He was angry. Why was he angry? Because Moses didn't trust him. God has, has clearly showed him enough. We don't know how long the conversation was in front of the burning bush. But God was already worthy enough. Just pure based on his personhood. He gave Moses this promise. He showed him these small signs. And not only that, he chose Moses. He could have chosen anybody. Moses said, send somebody else. But God was angry. I, I, I think about... Being a father, and I so much, I, I desire my kids to obey me, to listen to daddy. But at the same time, I, I don't want them just to obey me as robots. <laughs> I don't want them to obey me out of intimidation. I want them to obey me out of love because they, care, they know daddy care for them. And the things that I'm telling them to do, they can trust, trust me enough that I thought through the challenges, that I'm not sending them out by themselves, that daddy will be with them. He will remind them that I'm there, that I'm supporting them. And if Artez's old, limited, sinful, imperfect self has their heart towards my children, how much more God for his children? Our limitations, they're not a good enough excuse for us to not obey God. And you better believe God gets angry. Yes, he's loving. <laughs> he's kind. He's compassionate. But he's angry at the fact that God, that, I'm sorry, that Moses is not placing his trust in him. But he's removing him out the picture, and Moses has elevated himself as well. God wants us to be reminded that his patience is to lead us to repentance. You're probably in a season right now of throwing all the excuses in the world to God, every reason you could think about not to make that sacrifice, to walk in the light, to have that conversation of reconciliation, to open your mouth to your neighbor, to your family member, and tell them the reason why you believe, the reason why you, you view the world that you do, not because you're holier than thou, you're better than this person, it's because this good God has done some amazing things in your life, and he sent Jesus down to be the, the ultimate activist of reconciliation, out of justice. And he's extended his undeserved favor towards you. In view of his mercies, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Let's trust the Lord with all of our lives. Let's be honest about those excuses. Let's be honest about those doubts. But thanks be to God, he's patient enough. He can handle your excuses. He can handle your doubts. But his patience is to usher us into a deeper intimacy, trust, and obedience to him. And lastly, brothers and sisters, we can confidently obey God because of his loving provisions. This dialogue is coming to an end. Moses threw the excuse out. It wasn't enough. God was angry, but he didn't give Moses what he really deserved. 
He stuck with Moses. Moses, I'm still sending you. And the conversation wraps up. God says, okay, you can't speak well. Is that not your brother Aaron, the Levite? I know that he can speak well. Behold, he's coming out to meet you, and when he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. Isn't it not? This is this not even on the, uh, the manuscript, Sergey. Um, he said Aaron will be glad in his heart to see Moses. God was angry with Moses at that time, but it's almost on this, this restorative act of God's grace through somebody else. That's the importance of community. But this not the sermon right now. I just the Spirit just gave me that. So he wraps up this conversation. So Aaron is not the ultimate provision. I, I thought it was when I was reading this and studying this. Okay, God, you provided for Moses to go. Now he has a mouthpiece so that you give him the word. And Aaron would speak to Pharaoh. He would speak to the people, right? But I, 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 I missed this at first, but God gave it to me. In verse 17, the parting words of God to Moses. And take in your hand this staff with which you shall do the signs. As I said before, that staff is, is very useful for the shepherd. This particular section of the text, it started off, what's that in your hand? That's a staff, throw it down on the ground. Now God ends it saying, the staff in your hand, take it. That's going to be the instrument by which you will perform the signs. And as the story will go on, this staff will be, it will be available or readily used for Moses when he will hold the staff up as the people were walking through the dry ground when God parted the Red Sea. This staff will be used, as we will see later in the chapters, when Moses struck the rock, when the people were thirsty in the wilderness, and God provided water for the people to drink. This staff will be a means of provision towards Moses for the people of God. This staff is symbolic to a shepherd. But there will be years later when a good and a chief shepherd will come. And this chief shepherd will come with willingly obedience. In fact, before eternity passed, we don't really even know the time. But the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, he willingly obeyed to the Father that he would come down and accomplish the will, the plan of salvation for his people. And that was a time, I know this ain't Christmas yet, but we celebrate the advent of that coming king. And he will come as a little baby. He will grow up with favor with God and man. And he will show us the way, the truth, and the life. He will enter in into our mess. Those who were wrestling with doubt, who were wrestling with physical ailments, who were wrestling with loss and asking the question, is God worthy? Jesus said, absolutely he's worthy. But this is the person who knew that the cross, that was his destination. Not only the cross, but the full cup of God's wrath. He had his wrestling moments. He was probably torn between, torn between those thoughts of, is there another way? Not my will be done, but your will be done. As we have been studying the book of Hebrews in Sunday school, shameless plug, please come out, check us out every Sunday at 9 a.m., the Hebrew author said that he became a, a fitting priest for us on our behalf. He learned obedience through the things that he suffered. This shepherd, Moses ain't the main 
character of the story, it's our Lord Jesus Christ. That he came to provide all that we need by going to the cross willingly, dying willingly, suffering, but also defeating sin, defeating death, and Satan himself. Not only that, right now, y'all, right now, he sits at the right hand of the Father, pleading and interceding on our behalf. He, he, he's using all the different means. He say, I know it's hard to be on this journey. I know you're struggling with obeying. I know you're struggling with sacrificing. I know you're struggling with giving up. Jesus said, I'm with you. I, I get it. If anybody gets it, he gets it. And if it wasn't for his gracious, atoning work on that cross, Moses wouldn't have stood a chance. We wouldn't stand a chance. But thanks be to God that he gives us another chance. He's not looking for perfect people. He's not looking for the eloquent speakers. He's not looking for the people that got the clean track records. He's looking for the people who are desperate. Are you desperate? Are you willing? Are you needy for his guidance? for his deliverance. And he gives us the opportunity every single day to say yes to him. And when you fail, (laughs) not if, when you fail, thanks be to God that his mercies are new every single day. Thanks be to God that he didn't fail. Brothers and sisters, we have a worthy God. And I can't wait till we continue to unpack this story to see how he will continue to show off all of his glory. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful for your kindness and your goodness towards us because we don't deserve it. God, you know everything that we we struggle with day to day. You know the temptations. You know how the world could be so loud with different lies that sway us to not trust you, to not obey you. And so we come to you right now acknowledging that we have plenty of excuses, but also acknowledging that you have plenty of grace and patience to give us. So help us to respond accordingly to your goodness because you are worthy, God. Thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. That's one of my favorite hymns. Prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it prone to leave the God I love. Is that not like the tension and the wrestle of orienting our lives in God's way, obeying and trusting him? And here's my heart, Lord, take it, seal it. And that's what he does. He's faithful. What he starts, he will complete until the day he comes back. Uh, Receive the Lord's blessing. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all now forever. Go in peace. Amen.